Hey, this is Joey Rumble. I'm the pastor of Summerbrook Church in Somerville, South Carolina, and this is our podcast. I hope the message you listen to today speaks to your heart and helps you connect with Jesus and grow in Him. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the message. All right. Cool. Let's dive in. And uh, as we journey through, pull out your message notes, or you can also follow along on the Church Center app. In Judges 2, verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so we're helping all of us see uh, that when there is no king, no leader, uh, we'll tend to do what's right in our own eyes. And the king is King Jesus. And and Judges points uh, to uh, uh, this uh, coming king, which will be, uh, they need a king, and not only a king, but a perfect king. And so the Messiah will come, uh, that would come through the Davidic line. So uh, king, they eventually, David becomes king, and the Messiah comes through that line. And so Israel's history unfolded in this period of time in a cyclical way. And as a matter of fact, I want to show it to you. This is Remember when scripture shared as we were in Joshua and moved into Judges? Go ahead and show the spiral. Uh, the scripture shared that as God told them to drive out the other nations, uh, that they, the scripture says how God brought them victory, but then it said, but they did not drive them out. But they did not drive them out. But they did not drive them out. But they did not drive them completely out. And thus, you see the consequences of not obeying God fully and so we're going to look at this downward spiral and so and this was a a common pattern that you see in the life of Israel in the book of Judges Uh, so they would blow it they would get deep into sin then there would be servitude the nation would come in and dominate them and then there would be a crying out to God then God would raise up a judge deliver them and then there would be this peace this rest and then the whole cycle would happen again. They would blow it, and then there would be servitude. Then there would be God bail us out. There would be salvation, silence. But you see this downward spiral that would take place, and we see it in Judges 2, verse 19. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their father. So they, there was this ongoing descent of, of falling more and more into sin. And so as we're studying this, I love the book of Judges um, because you would think, man, that's depressing that God delivers them. Then all of a sudden uh, they, they end up not only being delivered, they, they, they're set free, but then they get fall back into a worse uh, behavior. And so what we see is this downward spiral of the children of Israel that they would sin and then they would, uh, you know, call out to God. They, they would suffer the consequences of its servitude. Then they would call out to God. God would save them uh, by raising up a judge. And then there would be this uh, period of time of, of rest. And then all of a sudden the cycle would happen again. So there was this ongoing downward spiral in their walk with God, in their country, in the, 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 the land of Israel. And so, what we need to do, I don't know about any of you, 
but you're in church, so I'm assuming you're like me. You don't want your life to continue this cycle of downward and downward, this continued downward cycle. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, this, this happened generationally. And so we're looking at uh, our culture here in America that uh, I, I tend to think we're on a downward cycle uh, of moral decay. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can change. And so here's the good news of judges. You can see the mistakes they made and they can change it and start be, repenting, but not just repenting, following it with action and start an upward spiral of becoming more and more like Christ, more and more honoring the Lord, more and more uh, what Scripture calls sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. And so uh, who, there's no one that wants this downward spiral, but, and here's the cool thing. As we look at the Scriptures we get to see the mistakes they made. That's why I love the book of Judges. It's so clear to repent, do it God's way, and you're going to experience the blessings of God. If you repent, do it God's way, you're going to experience the blessings of God. If you don't, you're going to suffer the consequences. And I want to be a group of people that do not fall into the culture's trap. And so we're going to look at several key areas of how not to fall into the downward cycle. And so I, I'm looking at Canaanite, uh, just them conforming to the religion and their culture, and it did not have to be. And I, I know it was enticing, just like our day. But if God calls you to do it, we can do this. We can live the life that God has called us to live. So I'm going to look at several principles that I believe are going to help all of us stop this downward cycle personally. Or let's say you're not in a downward cycle. You're right now, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm growing. My life's developing, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more Christ-like. This is for you to remember to keep that going. Because the children of Israel forgot that. And when those seasons, when they were in that, they would forget it and it'd be in a downward cycle and it'd be worse and worse. So, and not only that, for you who are in this upward cycle of growing more and more like Christ, you can help others as well. We're to help others. We're to speak life into other people. And so uh, we're going to move on to a new judge this week that the Lord raised up. But before we do, I just want to touch on one key point in the life of Gideon, and it's in that we looked at last week. You'll remember this, but I want to point out an instance here. Judges six twelve, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, "Lord, is with you, O mighty man of valor." And Gideon said to him, "Please, my lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us?" Gideon was letting his circumstances dictate his identity. Remember, it's not about your past. It's about who made you, who was with you, and who you are with, King Jesus. So do we, king or chaos, we're going to have chaos if Jesus is not king of our life. And he needs to also be king in our identity. So let me tell you a journey I, was, I started on, I think it was 2005, where I, you know, I knew what Scripture shared about your identity in Christ. 
I, I understood as I read scripture what the word said, and I got it mentally. I got it right here. But I didn't experience it in my heart. I know the word says that mighty man of valor, that word's for me as well. That I'm, I'm a child of God as I've placed my faith and trust in the Lord. And I'm to be a mighty man of valor. And God speaks that into my life. I knew it here, but I didn't know it experientially in my heart. And, and so what I did, the Lord really brought this to my mind. I started, uh, first thing, you can take notes on this. I started to get really honest with God. Not just saying that I believed it when I really didn't believe it experientially as well. And so I was really honest with God, man, God, I don't feel like you love me or, uh, you know, I don't feel like uh, um, what you say in your word about me, it, it, I, I, I'm struggling with it, Lord. And so I really wrestled with God with that. So I started to get honest with him and authentic. That's number one. Number two, what I did is I'm going to give, I gave three, there's three of these out at the um, Welcome Center. And you can grab all three or just one of them. It's, I, I pulled out uh, 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 31 scripture verses on your identity in Christ uh, where you could uh, spend time on that one. I got you another one, my identity in Jesus that's out there as well. And then I have the one I worked on in 2000. I started this process in 2005. And it's distorted concepts of daddy God. And what it does is go through a distorted view that's unbiblical the, it had a name of that distorted view, and then the scripture accurate view. And so I spent several years working on this, and I saw massive breakthroughs. So what I did, I'll give you one of my big ones. Number 28, distorted view, good things are dangled before me. I can see them, smell them, but I can't reach them. Distorted name, carrot dangling God, and then the accurate scripture. And so I looked at God as a God that, uh, would dangle the carrot out that right before I got to what he was calling me to do, he's like, poof, he'd pull it right back up. And I, it was just this carrot dangling God, which is not God's character. Another one was like, uh, with me, was a distorted concept, was walk-a-mole. I felt like every time I stepped out of line or, or, or messed up or uh, anything, man, it was like God was playing whack-a-mole with me. Where it was like, wham, 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 wham. And, and I'm not saying that uh, God tolerates sin in someone's life. He doesn't. He tells you to repent. Children of Israel in the book of Judges is a huge example of that. But he, he lovingly guides you, and at times he'll, he'll discipline you, but always for your best. I, ne I didn't see God as doing it for, uh, you know, I feel like, man, you just there to beat me up every time I step out of line. Perform for God's love instead of God loves me, therefore I obey, and he's King Jesus. What he says goes. And so what I, so what I did, I worked on this, and so these are available to you, and then I did this. I, I printed out all these Daddy God verses, and this is, you know, uh, years ago, this is, uh, dated uh, 2010 here. And so I would print them out, print them out. And what I would do is I would meditate on them daily. And then I soap journaled, and we've taught on soap journaling. I soap journaled on every one of these scriptures. Every one of them, I, I really spent time meditating on the Lord and, and, and really sitting in those uh, scripture verses. And so I, I encourage you um, to maybe do that the same way I did it or uh, so grab one of these as you leave today. They're available or grab all three at the Welcome Center to start working on some distorted views 
of who you are in Christ. Because when you start to see the truth of what God's word says, man, there is great breakthrough that can happen in your life. Amen? All right. Let's continue on. Now we're going to look <coughs> at um, another judge that God raised up. Um, but Judges 10.6 says that they were given into the gods of every nation around them. Not just to the Baal and the Shira pole, uh, Shira worship, but it talks about in Judges 10.6, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines. Uh, they forsook the Lord and did not serve him, Judges 10.6 says. The culture around them was so enticing that they started serving the gods of these other countries. All of them. I mean, they were just continuing to compromise. So uh, scripture shares in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind in the word of God. We need to make sure that we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we need to quit conforming to the pattern of this world. So we're looking at one of the judges today, and his name is Jephthah. Now, he, he as well as Barak and uh, Gideon and Samson are mentioned in Hebrews eleven thirty two in the Hall of Faith. And then in 1 Samuel 12, 11, Barak, Jephthah, and Gideon are mentioned. And, and so here's the situation. We'll pick it up in Judges 11, 1. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior, but he was a son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, and worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out with him. So, here's the cycle. Uh, his brothers cast him out because he's considered an illegitimate son and and they they kick him out. And then uh, there begins to be where the Ammonites are raised up oppressing uh, the the Israelites and that whole uh, cycle happens uh, where they call out to God. Uh, Actually, in this case, is a little bit different where uh, they self-select Jephthah Uh, But it's powerful how God uses Jephthah here. So after a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. And so they asked Jephthah to come and help them. And he agrees. And so Jephthah then turns and helps lead Israel to conquer the Ammonites and deliver them from the oppression. And from this we learn that God can use me regardless of my past. God can use me regardless of my past. And and this is small things or big things. Uh, And so we need to realize that our past um, can hold, we can stay in bondage to our past. This is a big deal. Brothers kick him out of the family and send him off. No choice of Jephthah here. And and so this is, you know, uh, uh, a parenting problem, uh, a moral failure of his father. And, and, but, and so, but here's the thing. Jephthah did not let his past hold him back. 
So I want to ask you right now, where are you letting your past hold you back? Maybe choices you've made, or in the case of Jephthah, maybe uh, something uh, your parents did or something, some woundedness in your life or difficulty you faced. Uh, and, and, and God's here to set you free. God's here to not let your past hold you back. The cross is enough that God can use you regardless of your past. The second thing, Jephthah could have said no to help them because of the offense that he, was so, he, would, uh, he could have been so angry with them and so offended that he, he would uh, say, no way I'm helping you. But what he did, he did not let offense hold him back. Matter of fact, this is a big problem in our marriages. And I'm, we're going to really hit on this in a couple weeks. You don't want to miss it. We really start to lean into some relationships in the book of Ruth. But I feel like in our culture, we have a low tolerance for pain. And then I, I, I've been married 33 plus years. And I, I, I adore Jenny. We're the closest we've ever been. But there have been some painful moments in our life where we had to tolerate some pain relationally. Well, that's just part of growth. That's part of being married. It's part of uh, being a Christian that pain comes with it. And, and so, um, meaning you're going to have great opportunities to have offense in your life. But Jephthah did not allow offense to hold him back. And we need to make sure we follow the same example that when we've been offended, we need to choose to forgive. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It may be that you need to be in a, a freedom group or walk through to work through forgiveness. I'm not saying, oh, just do it. No, no. There's a lot of pain involved here. But we got to work through it. We can't settle for um, uh, this offense holding us back. So the question, are you letting offenses hold you back? Who do you need to forgive so you can move forward? So during the battle, uh, we pick it up, and Jephthah in uh, Judges 11, let's continue on in the story, Judges eleven thirty, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer him up as a burnt offering. Now, I believe here that uh, um, Jephthah thought an animal would come out of his house uh, that he would sacrifice, but we're going to go ahead and jump to what happens. In Judges eleven thirty four. 34, they win the battle against the Ammonites, and then Jephthah came, so he promised for whatever comes out first in my house, I'm going to sacrifice. Then Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And as soon as he saw her, he told his, tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot take back my vow. Let's go all the way down to verse 39. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow that he had made. So he sacrifices 
his daughter. Human sacrifice. He kills his daughter. Man, that's hardcore. That is absolutely hardcore. So let's unpack this. What we learn from Jephthah here, obviously, is a colossal failure in every way fashionable, way possible. Don't make rash commitments. We need to learn from people's horrible decisions not to make rash commitments. Don't let emotions drive you. This can be in any area. It can be financially where you overpurchase. You gotta have that car. You gotta have that house. You gotta have that, whatever it is. And you make a quick decision. I could go into any area. Matter of fact, I listed out the 10 biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. Five of the 10 were due to too quick a decision. Five of the 10 were because I was making too quick a a rash decision. Whew. Slow down, back off, and don't be as emotionally involved in the decision. Uh, I mean, at first, back off and think through it. And so, um, so let's look at this just a little bit biblically, and then we'll move on. He sacrifices his daughter. This is nuts, right? Well, here, here's a couple things we look at this. First, I think he probably was expecting an animal to come out of the house, but let's go to number two. God promised victory if they kept his laws, not some hasty vow that Jephthah made. Number three. When Jephthah's daughter comes out, that is the time to cancel the vow and make an offering to God instead. And I'll come back to that in a minute biblically. Number four, I felt like part of this is copying the sins of the nations around him. When she came out, it was like he had this distorted view of the nations around him who were ungodly leading uh, Israel into the pits because of their sin. Uh, because they actually did child sacrifice and some of their worships of God, which is absolutely nuts. And Israel <coughs> followed in their sins. Um, another one, human sacrifice is forbidden in the books of the law. So let's look at Leviticus 5, 4 through 6. Because part of this Jephthah mistake was this, that he did not know the law. We need to make, and this is a takeaway before I even read the verse to you, be in the Bible to obey God rightly. Now when you make a vow to the Lord, you're supposed to keep it and accept when it's sinful. And scripture says here, if you've made a sinful vow, I'll read it to you, Leviticus 5, 4 through 6, or if anyone utters with his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good, Any sort of rash oath that people swear and is hidden from him when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt in any of these. When he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat for a sin offering and the priest shall make atonement for him and for his sin. Now this... Jephthah's in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And so that, he didn't know his law. He didn't know the law of God. And so what the big takeaway here is that we need to know God's word. We need to be in God's word. It is 
fundamental primary to make sure we walk with God as he's called us to walk. Now, I got to wonder also, if Jephthah's sinful past and his exclusion from the family, he felt like God wasn't with him. So he tried to get God's blessing with a vow and sacrifice to have victory. But the good news for us is we don't need to sacrifice to get a sacrifice to get God's blessing. The sacrifice has already been made in Christ. You are adopted in God's family through his blood. The victory has already been won in the empty grave. Your past is already forgiven. Walk in the confidence that God is with you. Hebrews 9, 24 through 26 says, For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. No sacrifice needs to be made anymore for your sins. And the blood of Jesus has been shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. But it's received by faith. And then we walk in it. I'm convinced this downward cycle for every one of us can change. Instead of uh, us uh, doing these memely uh, prayers that aren't true repentance, where we really start to walk in uh, holiness before God by just changing and beginning to be more and more like Christ, being obedient to him, knowing that God loves you, understanding your identity in Christ, that you're a child of God as you've placed your trust in him. By us getting to know God's word, by us not making rash commitments, that we begin to also uh, not take offense. Some of your, your marriages could be radically changed today if you began to repent and follow the Lord like you're supposed to. And others of you to not take offense, but to let it go. I'm not saying justify people's behavior, but I'm saying begin to let some things go. And that's a whole nother talk we'll get to in a few weeks. But let's make sure that we continue to do it God's way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we surrender our hearts and our lives to you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Let, let's agree in prayer together. And as God's speaking to your heart, you can agree out loud in prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I choose to do it your way. Lord, I repent. Forgive me for doing it my way. From this day forward, I choose to serve you. Lord, thanks for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. We worship you in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen.